0: apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast
1: this is the detroit City Cast with dan leach presented by bet rivers
0: and what's going on fine citizens welcome into the fantastic friday edition of the detroit citycast back from boyne mountain and highlands what a trip what a week always the best up there uh, and i recommend to any golfers if they are looking for a place to go on a trip, head up to Boyne Mountain, Boyne Highlands, the Heather, Alpine, the Ross Memorial, Arthur Hills, Crooked Tree, Bay Harbor. Just the best. A uh, lot to get into today here, including my fabled producer, the legendary Stephen Jung. He will join us in a little bit. It's part three of our 7,669-part series, Steven's Stupid Ideas to Save Sports, and he's got some doozies today, but also going to talk a little Live Golf, Big Ten Expansion, and always have some great times with my man, Steven, who makes this show sound as great as it possibly can and is always involved in the process of putting things together. So we're looking forward to, to talking to Stephen. We haven't had him on in a, a month or, or so, so looking forward to uh, having the S-Man drop by. You'll know, get to hear him often. He's behind the scenes, but, but boy, when he comes front and center you can't get enough of them and could be happier obviously you feel you feel bad we we're we you know betting on a stock or betting on uh, you know a sporting event or a, a game whatever it is you, you want it, you're, you're doing it to win but you can't still have some empathy you know we have had a great run during Wimbledon 16 and six overall now and the two big tickets we had were Alex Minaur to get to the final and to win it all and Nick Kyrgios to get to the final and win it all. And while Kyrgios hasn't won it yet, we got to still see what happens with Djokovic and Cam Norrie on Friday as far as who will be in the final. I mean, Djokovic, a huge favorite. Very likely it will be him. But Rafa Nadal, after that epic five-setter, that he was able to come back against Taylor Fritz, he had to pull out with an injury. He withdrew. So Kyrgios wins by walkover. But what that does is cash that 12-1 to bet that I had told you to put a unit on before Wimbledon. Uh, and Demonor went from 100 to one when we gave it out to you before the tournament to five to one before he lost that round of 16 match to and Who, uh, let's be honest, two sets to love—you just can't blow those. And I think Demonor, as he gets older, will learn from that and won't. But we cashed on the Kyrios bet. It's already over. Like I said, I, I don't know if, if feeling bad is the right term, but I—I just—it's—it's it's a weird way to win, but it's—it's it's a win. So hopefully you follow me on that play and in the other Wimbledon stuff. Uh, we're going to get to my Wimbledon play of a day here in just a second as far as the my thoughts on the women's final. And I just watch for my Twitter for what I think about the men's final. And we figure out who will be facing the Kyrgios uh, at the All-England Lawn Tennis Club on Sunday morning Eastern Time, early Sunday morning Western Time. And here in the Detroit area, of course, early Sunday time. It uh, will be breakfast at Wimbledon, one of my favorite Days well, Saturday and Sunday, the women's final, the men's final of the sporting year. So we catch that one, and the Tigers keep cash and wins. The Tigers five in a row; they've won. They just beat Cease of the White Sox with bresky on the mound. They're seven and three in their last ten, but they're still thirty five and forty seven. They're still ten and a half games out of the division race uh, or out of you know the, the division lead. But the wild card number can it. Get better as we go towards the all-star break and creep up to three, four, five games. Maybe when we get into uh, the middle part of August. It's possible. I don't think so. The Tigers still have a negative 82 run differential. They're beating up on a Guardians team that's not playing well. The White Sox, we know, have a ton of problems and at some point could fire Larusa and are under five hundred at 39-42. But boy, it's been nice to see the Tigers scoring some runs, pitching well. The fact that they were able to take down the White Sox last night with Cease being out outdueled by Bresky, the rookie, who's now just two and six, but he's got a four one six ERA. Cease dropped to seven and four with a two five four five ERA. We had no play on the game, uh, but except it, actually we we lead, I told you no official play, but I leaned on the over, and I hope you didn't follow me on that because we lost that. Uh, but you know that, that wasn't an official play. So as you know on this show, if I'm giving you a half unit, full unit, three unit, whatever play, I'm betting it. I didn't bet anything on that game, but I did not think the Tigers would win. 2-1, to uh, and going to the you know late stage of the game up, one nothing, Just uh, awesome with Baez. You know, Holmberg his return to Chicago. Different team, obviously, that he played for there. But he returned to Chi-Town. Sure, so a lot of Javi Baez fans there uh, that have nothing to do with being a Tigers fan. They just wanted to see Baez. Maybe Cubs fans or just, you know, fans from Chicago that liked him and uh, went and saw him. But Soto, 17th save. Is it time to start saying, all right, maybe the quarter's being turned? I don't think so. But boy, it's nice to win five in a row. Gets division, uh, you know, opponents. Get that nice win for a you know, Good hitting, you know, balanced hitting from all up and down the slider. But we'll see what happens with the Tigers going forward. All right, let's take a trip to the Motown betting window. It is brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Invites you to add a variety to your baseball bets with new same-game parlays. Every game this baseball season, you can combine game bets and player props to create your perfect. Bet Rivers combination. Whether you're looking to increase your payouts on favorites or make your own long shot, you can add a little extra spice to your game with same game parlays at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and make your baseball same game parlays. Do it today. Must be 21, playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem, please call 800 270 7117. When we talk about this Tigers team, we got to, you know, obviously look to see what they can do over the next few weeks heading into the All-Star break to maybe give this town a little more excitement before we get into football. But the task at hand is trying to win a series against the Chi Sox. And game number two of this series comes up later tonight from Chicago. 8-10 start here locally. And it's Tarek Skubal, who we know has been very rough the last five, six starts. He's had some moments, but he after that great start and having you know, odds to be uh, the Cy Young winner, I think, he was the sixth odds uh, overall in the National or the American League uh, at his highest point. But obviously, that's not the case right now. He still has had a good season overall, but lately, not so much. Five and seven on the season, 4.06 ERA. Lucas Giolito uh, for the White Sox will go five and four on the year in a 4.90 ERA. Remember, season of the White Sox were minus 250, big favorites against the Tigers on Thursday, and all the Tigers did was get the job done. Here's where we're at right now at Bet Rivers for game number two. It's the Sox minus 175, Tigers minus 145, run line White Sox minus 1.5 plus 128, Tigers plus one 1.5 minus 162, and the total eight over even money under minus 120. Now, as I've said often on this show, you don't just bet to bet. And I'm not just going to give you a Tigers play every day if I don't like anything. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, If I'm giving you unit plays, whatever unit it is, I'm betting it. I've not bet on the Tigers for a few days now, and I don't plan on doing it. Uh, We'll see how the the series shapes up over the next couple days after tonight's game. But I'm staying away from this game, Uh, I, I thought, for maybe a second there was some value on the over because the game went under, of course, on Thursday, and I think that there can be some runs scored in this one, and you get eight over, even money, but I'm staying away from it. I think the White Sox probably get this series tied at one apiece, but the way the Tigers are playing right now, winners of five in a row and seven and three in their last ten, stay away. I just, I I can't trust the Tigers as a plus 145 favorite, but I'm definitely not taking the White Sox in this situation, Uh, but let's see if the Tigers can keep the good times going, I think I might peg uh, the White Sox for a game over the weekend, especially if the Tigers are able to win coming up later tonight. But as it is right now, I'm excited for the Tigers and the fans, even though not many of them are going to see the Tigers at Comerica Park. But is this just a, kind of an exciting period of time for a few weeks and not really a long-term situation for this year, where this obviously clearly seems like it won't be a playoff-type year? But never say never. The Colorado Rockies were a million games out. Uh, I, I want to say two thousand. thousand. And nine, they came all the way back and got to the playoffs. Teams can do it, but it's going to be a long way and a long time until we start seriously talking about the Detroit Tigers having a chance of being a a wild card team. I don't think there's any chance of the division, but, you know, the way that the Guardians have been playing, the White Sox are, you know, kind of crap sticks. Maybe the Tigers can get themselves back in the division race at some point. As I mentioned, coming into play, tonight the Tigers are 10 and a half behind the Twins and the Twins are a really good team they're the only team in the entire AL Central that has a plus run differential they're plus 52 Tigers are minus 82 in run differential of course they had a bad early part of the season if that starts getting better and the Tigers are winning games by three four five runs and they're hitting more balance as they have been lately then we'll start talking about that in a month or so but right now it's really just about being excited for the future hopefully that You know, this team that is being built by Al Avila, who I know a lot of people want to see fired, including Ken Rosal, who wrote that hit piece on him a couple weeks ago now. Uh, This team still has a lot of young talent. They've been unfortunate with some injuries. Maybe things can be better for this team going forward. All right, let's take a look at a couple other lines here. Uh, We will start with Wimbledon. Djokovic and Cameron Norrie, which is, based on when you're listening to this show, already started or, uh, you know, has been over. Djokovic, a monstrous favorite to go off. Uh, before this match started, minus 14.30. Cameron Norrie, plus 9.50. I mentioned that maybe you want to look at the, you know, plus 7.5 games, minus 106. That was a, you know, just a lean for me, not an official play, if you want to add some kind of action on this match, because I do believe Cameron Norrie could keep it close enough, where even if he lost in straight sets, he might lose seven six six four seven six. six four are still covering the 7.5. Uh, the total games, by the way, 30.5 over minus 124, and the under plus 102, so no official play on the semis, and of course, most of you might be listening, to this, or some of you might be listening to the show after that match is already over, but here is the, the women's Wimbledon final, and not what very many, or if anybody, truly thought was going to happen when it got to the final, of course, including Simona Halb getting upset by Akina. so you got Akina against Ons Jabor, Jabour minus one fifty-five, the Tunisian sensation. Rybakina plus one thirty from Kazakhstan. The game, the spread is minus two and a half games uh, for Jabor. If you don't know how tennis bet- betting works, just like kind of looking at a baseball bet or a hockey bet, based on the overall amount of games that are won, Jabor is minus two and a half. So if Jabor wins, you know, let's say twenty-two games, and Rybakina wins twenty, then of course Rybakina would win that plus two and a half spread. Uh, if you know Jabor wins nineteen games and Rybakina wins. 16 games she would cover the spread, so that's where we're at with the women's final. I do have a play on this. It's an official selection, one unit play. I love what Rybakina has been doing with you know just the the smooth ground strokes and solid serving and just the motion she's played with. But Own Jabor is a trailblazer. We talked about her aside from our play on Maria Sakkari, that I liked her as a possible second backup ticket. We didn't make it an official play, but I've liked Own Jabor for the last couple of years. First African to make the semifinals at a, at a major. First African to make the finals at a major, and I believe she's going to be the first African to win a major. Owns Jabour one unit play. Lay the one fifty five. I, I you know as we know, if you listen to the show, I don't often you know lay these kind of prices in a baseball game or an NFL game that has a lot of juice on a spread. But there are certain times where I think it's worth it. Because I believe Jabore is underpriced here. I think she should be more like a minus 170 or 175 favorite. So I like a one-unit play on own Jabore Let's keep that 16-6. woman we'll a record going forward and get to 17, 18, hopefully maybe 19 with a bunch of plays uh, on the men's final. Once that is obviously known, who it's going to be, very likely Djokovic and Nick Kyrgios. And I'll, of course, put that on my Twitter at DanLeach. Ninety-seven-one. Just wanted to update some golf odds for you as they headed into the second round based on when you listen to the show today on the Scottish Open. Our plays Tommy Fleetwood, Lucas Herbert, uh, Sam Burns, of course multiple time former winner, and my man Terrell Hatton. Well guess what? Both Burns and Hatton Right in the mix here. Of course, Trigali with that opening sizzling 61. He opened uh, at plus 450 before round number two started. John Robb 7-1. to Woodland, 9-1. to There's our man Sam Burns. We got him at 25-1. to He's down to 10-1, to even though he is, uh, you know, in the tie. He, you look at Sam Burns, and even though Trigali's at 9, and the lead to me is not really 9. It's more like probably 6 or 7, where Gary Woodland is at. But you look at uh, Sam Burns, who's minus 3. And let's say Trigali has a rough day, number two, and, you know, he's no longer the lead. He's is, is over partners. A lot of guys that were three, four, five over. It could happen at this Renaissance club. And he had the advantage of playing in the, you know, uh, the weather that was not as crazy as Keniava played in where he was 4-under in the crazy wind. So that's going to probably flip. And if you see that everyone, you know, kind of come back to the field, Sam Burns is 2-3, you know, 4 shots in or, you know, off the lead. And let's say Sam Burns, who goes late or later, Uh, that he did in in round number one. Has a five under, six under kind of day. He's right up there. So I feel good about Sam Burns, Tyrell Hatton in the mix. He's tied with John Rahm and some others at minus two. And he ended up finishing his day pretty solid with seven straight pars after a bogey on two. He started on uh, hole number 10. He did have four birdies and one bogey on the uh, the back nine, his first nine holes. So feel good about Tyrell Hatton. His odds, we got him at 55 to one. And now he's down to 33 to 1 at Bet Rivers. And if you're wondering, you look at where uh, Lucas Herbert is, he's 66 to 1, very similar to where we got him at. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, no. We got Tommy Fleetwood around 50 to 1, and Fleetwood is now 200 to 1 at Bet Rivers. So keep an eye on what's going there. I told you the players that I like. This would be a time to invest in a Sam Burns if he has a good day on. Uh, you know, in his round two today, he's going to go down to five to one or below that. And then Tyrell Hatton, if he has a solid day and moves up the leaderboard more than he is right now, he's going to go down to 15 to 17 to one. Because a lot of the analytics like uh, those two players, and they like a couple others as well. Uh, they do like Gary Woodland, even though he's nine to one, and they do like Justin Harding at 20 to one. I'm staying away from those plays right now. I'm going to see what happens in round number two. All right, that is a trip to the Motown betting window brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. And coming up next, the man of the hour, the man of the week, the man of the year, my great producer, Stephen Jung, part three of the 7,669 part series of Stephen's Stupid Ideas to, Ta- to Save Sports and much, much more. We'll get to Stephen Jung coming up straight ahead, right here on the Fantastic Friday edition of the Detroit CityCast brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. BetRivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21, playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem, call 1 800 270 7117. And here he is, the king of the world, the finest producer in all the land, at times the bait of my existence at other times the reason I live, and hey, live, no pun intended, we'll get to that in a minute when it comes to live golf, but it's the great Stephen Jung, and this is part three of a 7,669 part series of Steven's Stupid Ideas to Save Sports. We'll get to that in a minute, but, but Steven, there's a, a few things I want to get to with you off the bat here. And kind of in a general way, the Big Ten expanding with the, you know, teams like USC and UCLA. And, and there's some things that we want to get to, you know, that I want to get you to come out of that. But the first thing I want to say is this, and you know me, I like everything. There's not many things that upset me. I think this is, speaking of stupid ideas to save sports, I think this is stupid. I understand mega conferences, adapt or die, TV deals, money, recruiting. I understand all of it. It's like how I'm against, you know, NBA players or, you know, high school players being able to go right to the NBA. I wish they would be able to, you know, have to go to college, but I can't stop them from earning a living. So many come from poverty or, you know, very unfortunate situations. So I might, I don't like it, but I understand why it happens. And I'm fine with that. This is the same thing. I understand why it's happening, but I think the fact that UCLA is going to be in the same conference as Michigan and that USC is going to be in the same conference as Rutgers It just sounds really dumb to me. Make me, make me realize why I'm dumb.
1: Well, I am not a Michigan fan. I am not a Michigan state fan. So, uh, and and I got to look this up the battle for the little Brown jug. Don't you try to, don't you try to make fun of me? It's awesome. Um, I know that Michigan state and Indiana play for some axe or some trophy that's fake and was made up like a (laughs) hundred years ago. Uh, I don't care about those to me, USC playing Michigan, USC playing Michigan state, sounds like a much more appealing proposition than Michigan playing Minnesota. And I think once Notre Dame goes to the big 10, like everyone expects them to eventually, that's going to be great. Like these are, these are traditionally fairly talented football teams. And I get to see them play, for me, this is great. I, I like Texas A&M playing Alabama. I don't care that Texas A&M doesn't play Texas. I mean, they're going to eventually play them in a, in a couple of years. But yeah, I, I'm not a traditionalist when it comes to rivalries. I mean, like it'd be cool if Nebraska played Colorado, but would you really care if Nebraska played Colorado the way that those two programs are right now? Who cares? Well, they used to for a million years on the, you know, Thanksgiving Friday. But let me just say this. And, and,
0: and once again, you're, as the, the things that I pointed out with the way I feel about the basketball stuff and the way I feel about this, you're making fair points. I'm not saying you're, you're sounding like, you know, an absolute moron. But to me, I'm a big tradition guy. There's something to be said about the fact that for the last hundred plus years, when Michigan plays USC, obviously I'm not talking about the regular season, but when it really means something, it's in the Rose Bowl. And obviously with the playoff, now things are different. could be the Orange Bowl, could be, you know, uh, you know the Fiesta, whatever. But you understand my point. And I know that you have to grow and you have to adapt and you have to move forward. And it's all about money and follow the Benjamins and all that kind of stuff. But it just seems so unnatural to me. And there's very few things that I get upset about. I mean, I love everything. I love like you know, a squirrel chasing, you know, uh, an acorn across the ground, but when it comes to this and yes, Notre Dame better join the big 10 there. They're so, you know, elitist that now with the fact that NBC is probably going to be involved with this big 10, you know, mega TV deal. There's no reason for them not to join now, but it's, it's just such a weird thing to think that Oregon and Washington eventually. And obviously now for sure. I mean, when it happens, USC and UCLA and Oregon and many others are going to be part of the big 10 when they are on the West coast. And yes, I, I, I'm not saying that it has to be all geography, but Michigan is in the Midwest. Nebraska is in the Midwest. So like a little bit towards the West, but you got teams now that are going to be on the coast, the left coast, in the Big Ten. And what are you going to do, Stephen, when there's 20 teams in this conference? What are you going to play? Like, is USC going to play Rutgers once every 10 years? I mean, like, I know that there's imbalance in the schedule with the two divisions of the Big Ten because of the 14 teams. But now you're going to have, you know, teams out west they are going to play once every seven or eight years? How is that fair?
1: Well, I, I don't really care fundamentally if they play once every two or three years. I'll be honest. I don't care. But this is how I would do it. All right. So let's say you have three 20 team mega conferences just for the sake of a round number in college football. Number one, I would get rid of non-conference games. So each college football team plays 12 regular season games um, to save the FCF schools that, you know, currently Furman plays Alabama or, or what have you. Right. right I was going
0: to stop you and ask you what you do with that. That's how they make their money. That's a preseason really quit, game. Steven. That's you a preseason that
1: game. Furman, oh, the, the FCS schools play the FBS schools. You can play two of those in the preseason. They don't count, but it's a preseason game and it's college football. People still like to get hammered. People still like to go to the games. <laughs> they'll go to those games and they'll be broadcasted on major television networks. And so the FCS programs can still make their money from that. But those you're are two you're saying you're going to play
0: 14 games now? That's you're going to play happen. two
1: preseason games. You're going to play 12 regular season games, but you're going to play zero non-conference games. The non conference right now means nothing anyway.
0: You you really think that college kids, college kids, that these conferences, when they're trying to protect their product, are going to allow a 14 game? I know it's two preseason. The NFL is trying to get rid of preseason. Damn. College do these is going to preseason. Not
1: like making money. I get that, but you know it's about player oh, safety. Oh, it's about players. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go down this line, huh? You oh, can, you go. can even finish that sentence, huh? It's about player safety. Okay, back to my point. Um, zero uh, non-conference games because they're meaningless anyway, right now. And Alabama and these elite programs have no incentive to really play a, a, a difficult non-conference schedule as it is, right? So you play twelve, all twelve of your games are conference opponents. I'm assuming you have eight or ten teams in one division and ten teams in the other division and twenty division mega conferences, right? So then you play all the teams within your division every single year, and then you play two teams on a rotating schedule. So you'll play them once every five years.
0: All right. I mean, listen, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, if, if this is going to happen, it's going. It's not a terrible idea. I mean, normally I, I make fun of your stupid ideas to save sports. This is not a terrible idea if you have a 20 team mega conference and you go to 12, you know, non conference games or I'm sorry, 12 conference games with no non conference. To me, though, the thing where I think you're crazy, and yeah, I'm not going to go down the player safety wormhole, but I, I could never see there. I think there should be. I'm with you on this, and it would definitely help college teams be better. I would never see them agreeing to put at risk the product they have. And I guess it could be like the NFL where they just, you know, have the starters play a series, maybe that could work where they're going to allow two extra games as preseason exhibition games on top of a 12 game schedule remember these aren't supposed to be amateurs they're not getting paid yeah i guess they get nil money and you know, they're scholarships <laughs> they're but not getting 14 paid. 14 games
1: <laughs> they're not getting paid you can All even right, finish that go. without laughing come here on come on um this is what i think is happening I think you have a mindset that these are still amateur athletes and there's like the novelty of college football when the reality is it's just not true anymore. Do you think the student part of student athletes dead forever? Well, it has been dead. <laughs> for, yeah, for but it doesn't while. have to totally die. Yeah, it has. I mean, at your school, it has. You're, you're one of these major schools that makes a lot of money from this. And that's what's going to run. Yeah, but Michigan's way beyond the
0: eight ball on the NIL money. I mean, that's one of the problems with the recruiting right now. Oh, so that's their
1: problem. The right that's their problem. That doesn't that doesn't mean that the sports shouldn't be able to expand and evolve because Michigan's behind at the times, Dan.
0: <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. Um, I can't really yell. All right, so you said you had a three-prong plan.
1: Yeah, and then after that, um, this will be a Champions League format. Um, if people are aware of the European soccer yeah, model, explain the, that please. The the best um, domestic leagues. So each country, England, Spain, Germany, etc., have leagues, and then the top four teams of those 20 team leagues playing a mega tournament for to become the champion of Europe. So that would be a similar thing that you can bring in. You have three mega conference teams. You probably elect the top four teams from those mega conferences to get automatic qualifiers. You probably have to incentivize the the winner of the conference championship, right? So what you do with like a 16 team playoff, the first round game is the, the team that wins the conference has got a home game automatically. So there you incentivize winning the conference championship, right? And then um, the rest of the teams, because the college football playoff committee is going to want to keep their power too, right? Then they rank the top 25 or whatever, whatever ranking system that they're going to televise on ESPN to make more money, right? Then the remaining teams get the at-large bids for the remaining spots in the 16-team playoff. Perfect.
0: You know, listen, this I can get you. Know, I've been calling for a CCC playoff forever. And this I can get behind. But I want to ask you a very important question. And you, you kind of alluded to this earlier. And I understand that for the most part, people think bowl games don't matter. I understand that the playoff matters. And, you know, that's why you have all these kids that are sitting, getting ready for the draft. If it's not a playoff game, and even sometimes you've had kids sit, uh, you know, in, in playoff games, maybe not, you know, stars, obviously. But some guys that are trying to protect themselves, are going to be second or third or fourth, whatever round So I So I want to ask you about this. I want to ask you about a school like San Jose state. I'm just randomly picking them. If you want someone on the East coast, uh, let's go with a school like Rutgers. All right. How about that? That's even a big 10 school. What are you going to do? Or no, I'll, I'll go even lower than that. Eastern Michigan, Kent state, Toledo, etc. cetera, max schools. What do you say to those schools and those conferences? Because obviously we have a group of five and we have the power five and you're you're only going to see disparity get bigger and bigger are you not going to let them be a part of this you know champions type league thing because they'll never teams like eastern michigan you know that has gone a bunch of bowl games you know with chris creighton after not going to one since 87 you know teams like san jose state teams that are never going to have a chance to play for the playoff are you just going to say you know what you guys just play for fun try to get your kids in the nfl or you know give them an education what about those schools uh, where do they fit in? Because there are 129 FBS schools. I know that there's been some that have added, some that have gone away. It's right around 129 to 132 based on the year because UAB, you
1: know, left, came back, et cetera. What do you say to those schools? Well, what I would say, and this is going to sound cruel, you don't need to play college football if you don't want to. And if it's not well, going to work some out, people, some people agree with you on that. You, you don't have to like th- this is not a this is not something that anyone anyone's forcing you to do. Um, I, I think, and we've talked about this before. I think eventually college football, I don't think they're going to, but, um, the promotion relegation system would work perfectly in this scenario, but also in the scenario, if you wanted to expand it out where, um, the, the group of five teams has, as they currently stand, if they have themselves like a mini, like eight team playoff or whatever, where the top two teams get in to the real playoff, you can do it that way. There, there are sure. so many creative ways to actually do this. That makes sense. Um, that the only way you do this is if you break tradition that's how you get to a better product in the end and if it means that sorry dan michigan and minnesota might only meet once every four or five years then i think this is better for the end product of college football
0: all right listen you made some very very good points i definitely still am going to stand fast and hard with the fact that i do love and respect tradition but i get uh, you know that you have to move forward I'm not worried about Michigan. I'm playing Minnesota. I'm worried about Michigan playing UCLA in September in a conference game in the big house. That just makes me
1: wanna curl into a cup. It but sounds awesome to me. That's the future, Michigan USC playing in the big house. Sorry, if I could get that like on a on a semi-regular basis. I am all in for that. I, I have I have no idea what So you would rather keep the little brown jug rivalry going? than yes. playing USC? Why? And Axis are you, and all are you, the different
0: truck because they've been around you, are for hundred years. Are you afraid? I, I, you know, you know that I'm not afraid of anything except. For are guns. you afraid of USC? Are you? I'm not afraid of. I'm, I'm less like I'm the opposite of afraid of USC. I mean, may, maybe they can finally get the job done. You know, with, with a legitimate. Co- I mean, Clay Helton could get it done. Uh, obviously, Pete Carroll cheated at the end. And it, it's one of these things where USC has been their own worst enemy. Maybe look at Riley can finally make them what they've been, or what they were, excuse me, you know, 20-whatever years ago, and then back in the, the days of John McCain, uh, I remember John Robinson and the, and the great coaches there. Uh, but listen, I, I, I think it is going to be interesting. I'm not, like, really angry, but I just think it's so unnatural to have these. And, and your idea about the only, not, you know, conference games, I actually like that, but I, I can never see – them doing preseason if they do then of course i'd be fine with that but schools like eastern michigan or you know arkansas little Rock, or Furman, as you mentioned or jacksonville state with Dion with primetime sanders do you know and, and i you know calling games as a student uh, you know at eastern michigan and all the different things that i've done you know learning about college teams and that kind of stuff do you know that some of these college programs budgets their annual budget is made in that one game where they go you know basically get their asses kicked and that helps them create a culture wherever they're at like Marshall before obviously the plane crash. Then obviously after a school like Marshall has such a huge impact in Huntington, West Virginia, the community loves them. They wouldn't be able to have a program without those kind of things back in the day. And obviously now they're in conference USA and things have changed, but to me, you can't forget about those teams. That being said, you said, which a lot of people agree with Eastern Michigan, San Jose state, other schools like that should play college football. Is that going to be the answer to maybe this question if they can't do a you know, preseason, non-conference type thing where it's they're still making money, it's still on TV, but these other schools are going to just kind of get screwed?
1: Dan, if your industry, if your economic system is these teams have to play these other teams, they have to get their asses kicked for us to survive, that means that the people at the top need to kind of rethink the system and then rethink things, Right that means that your system is inherently flawed as it is and you have to evolve. Like that, you're giving me evidence already of how tradition needs to be broken and how things need to be viewed in a very, very open-minded way where my stupid ideas are combined with other people's stupid ideas <laughs> and you come up with something that's reasonable and feasible so that a team like Furman or, or I don't know, like Mississippi Valley State in college basketball doesn't need to go in and play like Duke in college basketball or play Alabama in college football. Voluntarily get get their ass kicked fifty six nothing so we can survive for one year. We, uh, we, I, I think I think the NCAA and I think college football can do much better than that. And if it requires the little brown jug trophy to be on hold for a couple of years, then I think it'll be worth it.
0: All right, listen, this is part three of the 7,669 part series of Steven Stupid Ideas to Save Sports. This is not, this has probably been your best. I mean, it's still some of it stupid, but you know, this is not that crazy. I love the Champions League idea, the relegation. I, 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 want, I wanted a 16 team playoff forever. You know that every other level of Division One athletics, every other sport has a tournament like they do for the FCS, where there's, I think the FCS, there's, there's more than 60 teams now. Uh, I think it starts with 32. But obviously, college basketball, lacrosse, all the other sports at all levels, D1, 2, and 3, do it, except for Division I FBS football. So, all right, you might be out of something there, so I'm not going to totally poo-poo at all. But I want to get to somebody else here as well. You know I'm a big golf guy, and we are giving out, you know, winner after winner on the Detroit CityCast, which I know you are just incredibly grateful to be the producer of and doing a phenomenal job at that. Uh, but I want to talk to you about Live Golf. And I think that most people listening understand and know what Liv is. If they don't, LIV stands for 54, which is 54 holes that they play. Shotgun start, three rounds, no cut. Everyone's making tons of cash. People aren't The PGA is fighting with them. I want to know what your thoughts are with Liv. Because for me, and once again, you know there's not many things that upset me. And I love the time i man or Freddie Couples, excuse me, fillet Phil Dickinson, they're going to talk to the guy again. You know, these guys are doing it for the money. There's no, you know, I haven't really given, given out any live golf picks. I think there's no motivation. How do you handicap guys that are literally just there going through the motions, which sometimes happens in regular PGA events when guys get appearance fees. But now this is the whole, like the majority of what these guys are doing is just going out there in a glorified exhibition. Are you on board with Liv trying to disrupt the PGA? Do you think it's silly like I do and, Definitely, uh, you know, dirty in a way where it's literally, for the most part, seemingly just about money with guys like Dustin Johnson and Bryson and DeChambeau, because there's no world girl, girl golf ranking points They They can't play PGA events. They might eventually not be able to play in the majors. Where are you at with live golf? And I know you have another stupid idea to save sports when it comes to golf.
1: Yeah. So my opinion on live golf is my opinion on basically everything else in life. If it's funny, then I am for it. And I just want to play a clip for you. Um, I know that you don't watch any of the live golf stuff. So I I, I, I want you to hear um, what happened after a shotgun start during round one of their most recent event in Portland. I'll tell you what,
0: Dom, that reception when the air horn blew for the signal of shotgun start on the first tee.
1: We're lifelong golf fans. We get excited to watch professional golf. We do it a lot and we used to play a little bit of it. It just gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? okay so goosebumps for shotgun start That's so a, because of how ridiculous because of how ridiculous that is I am all in on it because maybe one of the just, dumbest things I've
0: ever heard ever heard some so dumb ridiculous. things goosebumps <laughs> for a shotgun start what are these guys they, they, they want to go back and harken to days when they played in golf outings for the local like you know 401k or the, the 401k the local uh you know, a Girl Scouts
1: troop or some charity event. Oh, come on! So, I have to read some of the quotes from um, before that tournament. So, um, somebody asked this to Abraham. Answer: um, Abraham, you and Carlos Ortiz are Olympic teammates. I'm curious how much you guys conversed about that opportunity here. Okay. So then, um, after Abraham answered, delivered his answer, Matthew Wolf voluntarily said this. He was not asked this. Okay. Matthew Wolf said quote for me like when you're not playing your best i was joking around with my caddy last night it's like 75 never looked so good it's like when you're on a team and you have a couple people that play well in that final round you shoot 75 but one guy on the team might not play well shoot 77 it's like that 75 even though even though it wasn't great it wasn't that bad so Matthew Wolf is like, you know what I really like about this live golf thing? I can play 75 and it doesn't matter. You know, you know, you and I both love golf and
0: this (laughs) thing is a total blanking clown show. I mean, this is a guy in Wolf and I, I, listen, all due respect to Wolf, he had a lot of issues, like mental issues and he's been through a lot and he's trying to make a comeback. He's definitely a talented guy, but, you know, was really, really bad for a while. And, and, you know, it started contending with some tournaments late last year so I'm not trying to rip him but this is the whole point about why Liv is stupid to me this is a guy that couldn't cut it on the PGA Tour took the money took the bonus is going to play basically in a glorified shotgun exhibition everyone makes money there's yes there's motivation to win because you get more money there's team money there's bonus money but yet they're not going out there and saying oh you know what I better make the cut this week so I can keep my tour card or make the cut this week so I can, you know, not have to worry about missing out on, on certain tournaments, you know, make the cut so I can keep my sponsors. They're just going out there and getting paid to golf, which I know the other PGA players do, but they're trying to win, move up the world rankings, move up the FedEx cup rankings, and be able to play in majors and be historic all-time greats. These guys like the Deschambeaus the Dustin Johnson's all due respect with all the issues he's had, Matthew Wolf, you know, they're they're just literally part you participating isn't it i thought you're against like participation trophies steven you're not about you're you're a millennial but you're not someone that thinks that we should all get like you know first place second place and 30th place ribbons that's what this is to me
1: yeah but also you have to factor in the humor of the team names um like niblix gc um i will be following um the ups and downs of the niblix for sure. And the the Majestics is another is another good one. And it's really um, creative. I also like how Matthew Wolf uh, said that um being uh being with his family more as a 23-year-old non-married person without children was a very, very important part for his decision. Oh, so yeah, the, I, yeah. Really, just you go out there, and party, make tons of cash, and you know, hook up with strippers. I want to move on to uh Pat Perez. One of his quotes was: for me, it's real, real simple. I'm 46, I played. 515 events. I've been on the road since 1998. Okay. I mean, I've been on the road longer than Matt Wolf has been alive. I have an almost four-year-old. I missed my son's birth last year, August 18th. I got a call from my wife going into labor. I'm in Jersey. I'm getting ready to start the FedEx playoffs. I'm 116 on the list. I can't leave. I can't miss it. I can't get back. I can't get there and back without spending 150 grand on a private flight. I'm not going to do yeah. So I had to suck on it, and I had to miss the birth of my son, which is great because uh, let's see, he's 116th on the list, um, which means that he's qualified for the following year. Then, so he could have completely missed the tournament, yeah, and it no, was done absolutely zero harm to him. I feel really <laughs> bad. I feel really
0: bad, Stephen, that Pat Perez missed his child's birth. But oh my God, you've got people that have been on unemployment that have lost their jobs. That are just struggling to make it by. They're getting balloon payday loans that are ruining their lives. You know all these different issues: inflation, gas prices, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And this guy Pat Perez is a top 120 guy in the world. I mean, he has a, a, a PGA tour card, makes basically hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, gets to fly. You know, in first class, gets sponsorship money, gets paid to do different appearances because he's a top you know 120 player in the world. Has as you know one. Millions of dollars in his career. I don't know the numbers in front of me. I know he's won millions overall in prize money. And oh my god, aside from the fact that it sucks with Mr. Child's birth, you're playing golf for a living and getting paid absurd amounts for it. But damn so be I, a freaking
1: I, river. I need to interrupt because my favorite part from Pat came right after that. Because you know every golfer is very narcissistic and <laughs> they kind of live in that in that culture. The next thing that he said. And, you know, fortunately, I made the cut and I moved up my status by playing all right, but still <sighs> sucked. <laughs> a total mess. A, to- a
0: total uh, just spit in the face of golf. This is not real golf. I-, I have no problem with leagues that are disrupting. I've wanted another football league to make it in the spring, whether it's USFL, the XFL, the AAF, uh, whatever it is. I have no problem with that. There'll never be another NFL. There'll never be another PGA tour, et cetera. Competition is always good. But the way they've done this, the comments that Norman's made, Greg Norman, uh, the, the, the CEO of Live, uh, you know, not the CEO, but like, you know, the guy that's in charge of everything, the face of, of Live, if you will, Phil Mickelson. Some of these guys have made the dumbest comments and they don't really care about the history of golf. They don't really, can you imagine if Bobby Jones knew about this or if Arnold Palmer or Ben Hogan, the guys, the greats that went, you know, came before everybody that created the, the way that these guys are making incredible lifestyles. Now, Tiger Woods, obviously these guys, I mean, Rory McIlroy has come out so against the live, you know, golf tour, and obviously Tiger as well. And, and many others, it's ridiculous. And, and I, and I will, I, I want to ask you this, because I, I don't know if we're going to call it another stupid idea to save sports, but you do have an idea that maybe the PGA could not necessarily combat what's going on with live, but do something that really, Maybe would in a way level the playing field, and I you you kind of alluded this to me, and I really can't wait for you to tell it to people right now. Oh, it,
1: it would it would fix the PGA Tour for would sure. Would this be a game changer? It would. It would. So um, the PGA Tour for their major events, they should be held at the worst golf courses in America. We'll keep it to America first. be where then, you play. And then I I have dreams of expanding this to the worst golf courses around the world to, to make the PGA Tour more global, which it needs, right? It needs help doing that. But um the the other the other thing that uh that's a requirement, I am the judge, the sole judge of which courses are the worst courses in the world. Now, I need to bring up a story uh, when I lived in Philadelphia, I played at the FDR public golf course it was uh it was owned by the city of philadelphia and it was the worst golf course i played in my life um like the golf carts for instance like they were missing hoods i I probably saw more dirt on the fairway than i saw grass and the grass that i saw wasn't real grass you know it would be those kinds of courses that these players would have to play on like i'm talking about like randomly seeing like three pieces of brick in the middle of the fairway kind of courses and then greens that are are just spray painted green on the dirt um i think that would be a a great challenge to these players um you know you you would get the really really bad hot dog on the turn as well so um i think that would be endless entertainment where you know these players are like like the lie that you get on a fairway, you, you're, you're, not, you're not concerning yourself if the, your ball is in a divot. Let's just put it that way. You're concerning yourself if like the ball is on concrete and, you know, you got to play it as it lies, right? So that would be my, my solution uh, to make golf a little bit more interesting. Um, you just pack people in. It's usually, it's probably like an inner city public golf course, right? And you just pack them in and they have to play, uh, they have to play the worst golf courses in America and you know we'll see what you score when you cannot spin the ball on the green because the green is concrete.
0: I gotta ask you this: What now? I, I, it's hilarious. That you said you like to laugh. What what advantages are playing on the worst golf courses in America going to do to grow the game of golf? If it's if you're if you're in charge of saying this is the worst golf course in Chicago, or, this is the worst golf course in Michigan, or this is the worst golf course in California, how does the PGA Tour going there? With their biggest events, the best players in the world play courses where they can probably shoot a 50 without waking, you know, without blinking an eye. How is that gonna help the game of golf? I mean, the great the bad hot dog turns great, but how how is that gonna help grow the game of golf when you're playing at the worst courses in the country and you're saying now the world?
1: Yeah, so you think you got me on this question, right? You think you're so creative, you think you got me, right? No, 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 no. This is fantastic, especially for inner city golf. Then those golf courses can market by saying, we, as one of the worst golf courses in America, hosted a PGA Tour event, and now it is your chance to play it, you know, and then you can bring kids in, you can bring minority uh, people in, you know, you, you, you can bring a much bigger audience to the game than the typical people who currently played a golf course. So you could save the inner, inner city golf courses, which is very, very valuable to, to, that, that to, I do to agree the that, game. That, that is definitely game. Yeah. So that, I think this would be great. I mean, look, does the PGA tour need to play again at a very exclusive country club, like the masters, you know, like does that, does that really help grow the game at all? I would argue my idea of playing at the worst golf courses in the country and you rotate them, you know, no, no golf. It, the other the other problem is once, once you get a major at your worst golf course, you're going to do everything that you can to try to stay as the worst golf course in America. But uh, no, I, I, I have a way to solve that. You know, you can only be elected once a decade, right, as the worst golf course in America. So um, I, I think that's a great idea. Aside from, uh, aside from it, um, if we go back to the live tour, um, I am ecstatic about following the four aces GC the entire year. I mean, a top heavy re- roster of Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Taylor Gooch and Pat Perez. I mean, that that is a that I is mean, a I would pay, I would pay
0: 0 dollars to watch that.
1: I do think uh the live tour does have one thing that uh that's kind of creative that they're going to end up doing. They're going to end up having a lot of uh teams here that are ba- like country based, right? So, I'm um, currently the let me see here. The like the Ironheads have four Asian players on their team. Torque has four Asian players. So I think that's something that uh, that will be kind of creative. Um, but um, mainly, I am looking forward to how much propaganda their announcers uh, display uh, during the next tournament. Um, I, I found it very, very amusing when they said they got goosebumps, they almost shed a tear due to a shotgun start. I do like shotgun start though. I, I think that's yeah, I like uh,
0: shotgun starts for, for like golf outings for charity. I don't like them for events where you guys are getting paid millions of dollars. Now listen, the shotgun start thing, it, you know, it makes it go a little faster. I get that. No, no. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll tell you the biggest advantage of it. If, if you're a fan going to the the tournament, then you really don't know when to go to the tournament, right? Like let's say you want to follow a player around specifically, but they're like 10 shots back on sunday so then do you have to go at like 10am and then you want to stay through the final shot so you have to be at the course then for like 8 hours right um the shot can start if if they did that you know in the pga tour they could just make it easier for the fans it's a much better fan experience you know when you're going in you know when you're going out and you're done after 5 hours i i think that's actually something that should be proposed but um regardless um, never i'm much more interested tour. in uh, the announcer's reaction to the next shotgun start because if they got goosebumps and that wasn't even the first shotgun start, maybe this would, time,
0: maybe this time they'll get chills, maybe they'll get they'll get emotional
1: I that's mean, who true. Knows? that's true. And I mean, that was the fourth shotgun start that they've observed. So like it, are, are we either building up to something or is the buildup actually coming down to just goosebumps uh, during round one of Portland? So um I, I am fascinated. I am all in because this is uh, this is to me, it's hilarious.
0: Even there, uh, there are not many things that I don't love about you. It's, it's always, this is always fascinating. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where you and I can sometimes be on totally different sides, but it works because you're, you're the ideas producer. You're, you know, you're the yin to my yang. Yes, sometimes you say some of the most ridiculous things ever, but in, in, in every, you know, what is it? In sarcasm, there's a hint of truth. In every crazy and stupid idea There are kernels and sometimes even morsels of brilliance. And I think you're onto a couple things here and there. Uh, Generally speaking, there's no chance that there's going to be a major, (laughs) the worst golf course in America, but I love that there's this idea, you know, kind of house in your brain that would lead you to that because there are people that that I guarantee that are listening right now. They're like, Steven's absolutely onto something. I wanted to play at my muni that's up the street in, you know Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It'd be sick, but that brings in people and gets them excited. So I got to give you credit for that, Stephen. That's that's that at the at the very least. But even when you have a crazy idea, the fact that you're able to come up with it creatively adds to the fun of what you and I do. Because sometimes we're on completely opposite sides, but in in the general sense, the fact that. You want things to make you laugh. We need more of that in this world, don't we? I mean, with all the crap going on, that's why I love the show that we do, the Detroit CityCast, the things that I do for Beeson, because we're helping people win money. We're having fun. We're entertaining them. You know, protesters that are, you know, getting over bets, you know, refunded by DraftKings during the Nathan Hot Dog Eating Contest. You know, just crazy stuff that's going on. At Wimbledon, with uh, you know curious, uh calling uh, umpires snitches and not wearing the proper white, which you think is ridiculous. We'll say that for another show. You have a problem with them, you know, wearing white at Wimbledon because it's been going on for a hundred years, but you have an issue with it, right? <laughs> I, I, I just don't get it.
1: It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's tradition.
0: what do you not get about? So should we not have July 4th anymore? No more hot dogs From now. You have but, to eat but pizza. There's on no July rule
1: to July 4th. Like if I don't want a hot dog, then I'm still allowed to celebrate July 4th. Yeah. But
0: basically what you're saying is hundred years of tradition of wearing white to show respect to the club and the, the grace of the game, you know, now on Easter, Wait, wait no, 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 no! Work.
1: The white shirt—the white shirt is no guarantee for grace of the game. That—that that, there is no connection there. That's something that you just made up. <laughs> yes, there is because you're. Yeah, I, I, I,
0: I, listen. The, the history of wearing white—I'm not like—I can't recall it off the top of my head. There's a reason. I think it had something to do with the queen, or there was a. There's a reason they wear white.
1: Yeah, but It's has going on for hundred years. Let's celebrate monarchies in 2022. Holy God! <laughs> like, <laughs> we can't do any better than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey continue to have Furman play Alabama every year just to save their athletic program. We really can't, we can't do better than this. (laughs) I would love to make you like sports
0: are like, I think that there should be a position in, you know, the president, whoever the president's cabinet is, whoever the president is in his cabinet, there should be a sports are. And I think that you should do it because not only would you completely change the face of sports forever, I think that some people would be really excited about some of your ideas. Others at times like me would think you're a crazy person, but if there was a sports czar, these kind of forward thinking, sometimes outlandish and absurd and incredibly stupid ideas are needed to make people realize how lucky we are to have the traditions that we do have, but also that things do need to be changed sometimes. So I would nominate you for sports are ah, Talk about things that make you laugh. I would just love for you to be out there hosting press conferences, re- responding to reporters' questions. So, Stephen, can I ask you uh, what is playing the Masters on the worst municipal golf course in Nebraska going to do to change the game? That's going to grow the game. I would love to see your responses to these questions by the media.
1: Yeah, because if I were a sports star, uh, we would have Major League Baseball games under an hour in length because th- I would just be like, <laughs> Yeah, you want okay. a horde to hoard the blow. Okay, an hour. Let's go. We've had enough of this. Let's go. We th- 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 this way I could I could keep my dinner plans, you know, perfect. Okay. And then um, yeah, for sure, PGA tour events at worst golf courses. And how about this? Instead of doing a playoff at that worst golf course, if there is a playoff, you go to the most nearest mini golf putt putt game and that that's it it's like the simpsons right like what? they have the putt putt golf like tournament between bart yeah, Simpson so why, that's, and that's great
0: instead of a putt contest why don't you just ask if there's a playoff why don't they just go to like the local ymca and have a diving contest i mean that well, i think that's good
1: you're, you're you're supporting the local community uh i think the other funny thing is the playoff hall would have to you'd have to play golf from the opposite hand of your strength of hand so if you're a lefty, you have to play righty. And if you're a righty, you have to play lefty. Yeah.
0: Why don't we just blindfold them too? Why don't we let them play with the opposite hand and blindfold them? That makes like caddyshack too. Let's tie web. Let's just do that. No,
1: I don't want to take away one of their senses. That's the thing. I, I think that's a little bit inhumane. Um, yeah, You just want to, you don't want to take away their senses. You just want to take away their sanity. Well, no, I just want to make it harder for them. They're like, yeah, hey, greatest players in the world. Greatest players in the world. Okay. Well, what, what, well, let's prove it then, you know, like, especially with golf, you don't play defense, you know, no, nobody's trying to defend, defend your shot. You know, you're just playing, playing against yourself. Um, but you know, th- those are ideas that I am willing to sacrifice. I am not willing to sacrifice playing major tournaments at the worst golf courses in America.
0: I can't wait to see what you're going to cook up next for part four of the 7,669 part series of Steven Stupid Ideas to Save Sports. But on a serious note, and I I, I, I've had you on a few times now and you've done a lot of stuff obviously for our show and I'm very grateful, but we, we at the Detroit CityCast, meaning me, because I'm the host, are very, very lucky to have you, uh, even when things are crazy. So I want to thank you again. It's, I love bringing you on. We'll do a lot more of this going forward. Uh, you work very hard. You have a lot of different shows that you're involved with. So for you to spend some time with us means a lot and i can't wait to see what you have next maybe next you'll have some kind of sport where you'll be in an airplane and you've got to like i don't know jump from airplane to airplane with some kind of lacrosse you know uh stick and there's going to be you know money involved i don't know I don't, I don't what i don't know what the next idea is going to be steven but it's going to be something that's going to make us go absolutely crazy and also for some to think that you're a genius
1: Yeah, I'd have to think of it a little bit harder myself, but um, I'm going to focus on the sports that I think need the most help going forward. So that's probably baseball. That's probably golf. Um, This goes without saying, but there shouldn't be dress codes, you know, in in golf and major tournaments. So that's just that's not a stupid idea, though. That's just like, okay, we we, I I, I get it. I I get it. You don't need to insist upon yourself as much as you do. (laughs) But thank you very much indeed, Dan.
0: No, I and thank you. And it's it's you're the best, man. And you work your, your butt off and you make my my show and so many others so much better. So thanks for what you do. And we'll continue to have you on and talk about these insanely ridiculous, but sometimes uh, kernels of brilliant ideas. Stephen, thanks as always. You're the best. Uh, I look forward to part four of this great series and keep up the great work. We'll we'll talk with you soon.
1: Thank you very much indeed.
0: There he is, the great Stephen Jug that's gonna do it for us here today on the Fantastic Friday edition of the Detroit CityCast. Big week next week. We debut Michigan Mondays with a focus on Michigan State and Michigan football. Different stories, odds updates as we get closer and closer. About 50 so days away from the start of college football and then pro football. So look forward to that. We'll also be spending a lot more time talking Lions and the NFL uh, throughout the week as well here on the Detroit CityCast. Till next time, thanks so much to Stephen Jung. I'm Dan Leach, the
1: Squatch. Keep reaching for your stars. Believe in the dream. We're out.